This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. More than 240 years ago, our founders wrote words that have echoed through the ages. They declared these truths to be self-evident, that we are, each of us, endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it was almost 2,000 years ago that one Jesus of Nazareth declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, life comes from God. And Jesus was concerned not only for our physical lives, but he was concerned primarily for our spiritual lives, but they are linked. And therefore, since humankind, made in God's image, is actually made in God's image, therefore, to reduce the influence of life, to reduce life to nothing but a protoplasm is in fact carrying on the spirit of anti-Christ. Abortion is anti-Christ. No, it is not the anti-Christ, but it is anti-Christ because Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And when we snuff out the life of our pre-born before they are born and can see the light of day, we are actually carrying on the nefarious work of the counterfeit Christ to come. And so I thank you for joining us here today on Viewpoint. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Unfortunately, about 48 years ago, the Supreme Court of the United States turned its back on the unalienable right to life through an infamous case called Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade where the Supreme Court made out of whole cloth a fictitious right to abortion. But there's also another movement that has taken hold. Represented by our guest today for the Susan B. Anthony list, the life list of Susan B. Anthony, which has carried on a movement that continues to win the hearts and minds of people in our country defined by generosity, compassion, and yes, indeed, even the love of Christ. And she's joining us here today live on Viewpoint Marjorie Dannenfelser with her great book, Life is Winning. Life is Winning. And she's talking about the inside fight for unborn children and their mommies. Marjorie, it's good to have you on the program. What a pleasure it is to be with you, Chuck. Thank you for having me. And uh, you're coming from our nation's capital, and uh, you and I right now are about 100 miles apart physically, but spiritually, (laughs) we're right on track, aren't we? Amen. That's exactly right. We're brothers and sisters in him. And uh, so I really appreciate uh, what you are doing. You've been committed now to the Susan B. Anthony list. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, well, the list, you might wonder, is the list of warriors and champions that we have endorsed over the many years of our existence, about 25 years, well, almost 30 years mm-hmm. of our existence. 
um, we, we began promoting pro-life women in political office. That was our first call. And it was in the with the namesake of Susan B. Anthony because she and all her compatriots were very clearly pro-life from everything that they wrote. That wasn't a word back then, but they very much connected the rights of the woman with the rights of the child. They were one in their minds, and they argued like that in her newspaper and beyond. As we grew and as our, with God's grace, our reach grew, we really took on a, a, a larger role in the national strategic political space and um, have become very much at the center of winning Senate races. Uh, the Trump presidency uh, will move into a new, um, we're already in a new cycle for the next presidency, believe mm-hmm. it or not, and the Senate and trying to bring back uh, our, our nation on the federal level to a place that affirms life. And the great news of um, also on the state level of just a, a, a tsunami of beautiful pro-life legislation happening all over the country, and great news happening every day on that level. So that's what we do. We're tracking and building all of that. All right. So you're responding in practical and pragmatic ways to a more fundamental issue, which is a spiritual issue, is it not? That's right. That's right. And I really cherish your opening and your description of the founders, their intentions, um, uh, I would even add what the 14th Amendment did when, when uh, folks were not honoring human rights in the appropriate way. The 14th Amendment very much enshrines the human right to life mm-hmm. further as an amendment to the Constitution. Um, but, but yes, that the, um, but, but most importantly, way before all that was what was in the hearts of the founders when they were writing these pieces of, uh, of the founding documents. And that was that, that the Lord knit us together and our mother's womb, that he had plans for us, that he has plans for us, that he's known us from the very moment of our conception. It is a truth that is overwhelming and comforting and so secure when we can rest in that, uh, but so ultimately and tragically insecure when we can't be confident that that life will be preserved and that the plans for those children, not just the rocket scientists, but say the kids with Downs, the kids that are in a ghetto that we're supposed to bring everybody out of poverty, that their lives aren't secure. Mm. And that has deeply scarred the soul of this nation. And so on the very fundamental level, of course, it's all about soul. Well, we if one, li- if one lives, life is right? not secure, the nation is not secure, is it? Amen. That's right. And the life is the font of every other right. If you don't have yeah. that, you don't have any other rights delineated in the Constitution. Absolutely. That is, that is so true. So yeah. if we miss out on life, we miss out on everything else. And here, right. here is the fundamental problem. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 to 67 million American babies have, been, have had their lives taken intentionally by their mothers, their fathers, their doctors, and in many respects, even by their pastors and priests. 65 yeah, either passively 60, or actively. Either actively or passively with the approval. And according mm-hmm. to the writings of uh, Paul in uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, it's not just those who carry out the deed that is contrary to God's will. It is those who also approve them mm-hmm. that carry it out. And therefore, That's they right. are equally responsible before God. That is a high burden to bear, 
And we want to talk about that uh, in greater detail, uh, Marjorie, as we go forward. But one of the things that I find fascinating is that our country and our politicians, and yes, Dr. Fauci, have gone into almost uh, catatonic (laughs) efforts, apocalyptic efforts, to try to preserve life from the coronavirus while far more lives are being lost to abortion. I want you to think about that, friends, before we get back uh, from this break. Stay tuned. Viewpoint always determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints, including yours, my friend and mine. We'll be right back with our special guest, Marjorie Dannenfelser. Life is winning. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Almost every Democratic candidate for president in the past 25 years or 30 years, other than Barack Obama, almost every one of them has been pro-life until they ran for president. I want you to think about that, friends. We don't have time to go into all the details. Almost every single one of them was pro-life and strongly pro-life until they ran for president. In other words, they love the praises of men in the Democratic Party more than the praises of God. Now that's a serious problem, especially when life is on the line. Especially when life is on the line. And let's go back to some of those statistics for just a moment to put all of this in perspective. Somewhere between 65 and 67 million American babies have lost their lives by the intentional taking in the name of health care, in the name of health care, approximately 28 times the total number of Americans that have lost their lives in every single American war from the French and Indian War through the Revolutionary War to the Gulf War and now to whatever other wars are taking place. Approximately 1.2 to 1.3 million people, men and women, have lost their lives in all of those battles combined. But over about 28 times as many of our babies have been killed in the war for life or against life. Isn't that a bit hard to handle? How can we, as a people, blithely quote the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, when indeed we have, with all intent, adopted an anti-Christ position 
that is so egregious as to put us in the place of those who formerly sacrificed their children to Moloch. Well, all that having been said, we want to take a look, a deeper look at how in the possible how in in possibility life is winning when all of that carnage has taken place over the past 48 years. Our special guest today, Marjorie Dannenfelser. She is president of Susan B. Anthony List. And uh, Marjorie, people aren't necessarily very eager to be on lists these days. Normally, it involves the cancel <laughs> culture. That's right. <laughs> well, this is an, a list of honor, the list of honor of people that we've endorsed over time that have been champions of life. And, uh, and people like you who decide they're going to put their um, figurative lives on the line, their reputation, their honor to uh, step up and run for office. And and when we have a pretty incredible, by the grace of God and a lot of help, great track record for electing these these pro life heroes, I think it's important to to uh, there is an important takeaway um, from something you said a few minutes ago, and that is about how every uh, Democratic candidate for president was profoundly pro life up until Obama, uh, until no. they ran for president. And I think there's a the, the really important takeaway is that, uh, first, the one that you made, that um, that the uh, opinions of men and not the honor of God was what they were after. But but there's also another important point, and that, that is that there's something, and that is that they had to be, in order, they believe they had to be that way in order to become the president of the United States. And so the corollary to that, on a purely political level, and something that I think we're called to do, is use the tools that the founders gave us, all the political tools that we have, mm-hmm. um, giving grace to God, giving blessings to him, but also having making sure that that is true on our side, except for the opposite. You cannot run for president, senate, dog catcher if you, if you are not pro-life and you have not got the affirmation of the pro-life community. And that is now the standard. That is one of the reasons that life is winning and the reason that they – that that has happened is uh, because we have taken this cause seriously. We have applied everything that we know in terms of principle, philosophy, theology, and um, and um, uh, fitted that in a political dynamic so that we, we reward our friends and we punish our uh, the, the people working against life. We defeat you if you say you're, you're pro-life and you act differently. And we reward you if you are um, pro-life and you actually make a difference. And so that that system of rewards and punishments is exactly what has raised up um, great heroes since the founding of the country, and is exactly what we try to do at the Susan B. Anthony list within the. Well, who do you think are some of those great heroes? Are certainly not Barack Obama because he was known as the abortion Mm -hmm. president of history, only to be outdone by Joe Biden. Well, unfortunately, something that should not be a partisan issue has absolutely become that. Uh, our work has been within the Republican Party because the Republican Party has taken a pro-life position, but we, but, but it should not be the property of a party. So the people that I'm speaking of, not in the Democratic Party, I'm saying that the people on our, the people that we reward have gener- have now on now almost monolithically are Republican, and so some of those heroes um, have been pretty obvious through through the last several years. In, in this last administration, we, um, we've been 
uh, through a lot of work, and uh, we've got a pro-life Senate. We had a pro-life White House. Uh, therefore, we had Supreme Court justices that committed to um, that were committed to the pro-life position, and we're starting to see the unwinding of Roe versus Wade because of a revolutionized federal court system that is gradually honoring life. And this is the reason why they want to pack the court uh, so because they are desperately afraid that the the court's support of killing unborn babies in mass uh, may well uh, be facing its demise. That's right. So if you can't win at the ballot box, you have to change the rules. Like if you can't, uh, if you can't win through uh, the presidency, you change the electoral, uh, the system of electors that that elects the president. If you uh, can't win on the Senate floor, you change the Senate rules. If you can't win because your case smacks in the face of the rule of law in the Supreme Court, well, you change the Supreme Court. So instead of working within the systems that have been set up to empower all of us. Uh, and to make the level uh, level playing field for all of us, you you attack the institution of the court that uh, that is such a preservation of democracy. You make it another partisan uh, football, which would be the demise of democracy in this country. FDR tried it and failed. He tried it for exactly the same reason uh, because he was sick of the Supreme Court deciding against him on some fundamentals mm-hmm. uh, because of the rule of law. And now it's happening again. Um, And so, you know, it's called lawlessness in the pursuit of law. Amen. Well, lawlessness in the pursuit of law and friends, Mm -hmm. lawlessness is the number one characteristic together with deception of the Antichrist. Mm. The son of perdition Mm -hmm. is known as the lawless one. And what we're Mm -hmm. seeing is the actual love and embrace and uh, promotion of lawlessness in order to achieve that which is in defiance of the very word of God. This is a serious thing because it amounts to shaking your fist in the face of the God who made and preserved us a nation. Shaking your fist in the face of the God who actually gave us life. The God who gave us life, our founder said, also gave us liberty at the same time. That's a quote. The God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. Liberty has no meaning without life. All with this lust for power that has this illusion that we could somehow be the master of our own destinies, that somehow if we have enough power... If we can control our atmosphere, control our laws, uh, because the other side isn't doing it well, we're going to take out, we're going to set aside all the institutions, get the lust, you know, get that power that we need and, and be able to create happiness for ourselves because of all of our power. And the odd and crazy thing is it's the exact opposite. Absolutely. Our love for power makes opposite. us miserable. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Friends, this is a hardbound book and it's going to inspire you. It's going to encourage you. Marjorie uh, Dannenfelser with her book, Life is Winning. It is winning. It's a long battle. It's a long battle. The inside fight for unborn children and their moms. $17 is going to put this $28 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O.
P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll put this very encouraging book in your hands. Informative as well, but also encouraging. One of the things that I appreciate about you, Marjorie, and you and I have never met, but we're meeting in spirit here Mm -hmm. on the air today, and I sense a kind of passion. It's not just political passion, but it's born of something deeper. It's a spiritual passion that's being revealed in a battle that you have uh, felt called to uh, for this unique time in history. That's true. I, and I was very, very much not pro-life. I was adamantly what I called pro-choice in college. I went to Duke University. I was a advocate for the other side. Even though I was a Republican, I saw this as strong, what a strong woman would do. My wow. body, my choice, my destiny. And um, So and how, did you, no... how did you obtain a conversion uh, to be <laughs> pro-life? This is, this is a pretty dramatic turnaround. Well, not on my own power, I can tell you. Um, because I was tough. I thought I was tougher than I really uh-huh. was. So you could you could have been the Jane Doe of Roe I versus Wade. You you could have oh, been yeah. her. I would have, yeah. Mm. Uh, or or her or her chief advocate, or I would run her for president, or something crazy like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in fact, I had ended up meeting Norma McCorvey, who was that that woman who also converted, um, uh-huh. which is another beautiful story. But uh, it was a combination of meeting people like you, people who are listening right now. Um, I took philosophy. It's hard to take philosophy and continue with this idea of my body, my choice. It's a very hollow, doesn't fit in a syllogism very well. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and then experience. Just It's a miserable position to take. It is not life-giving. It's not life-welcoming. Mm. I would have had an abortion in a minute, and I know the process that you go through with thinking this through. It is not a gospel of joy. It is a it is a miserable, miserable novel of desperation and depression. And then you have and, to convince yourself that it was wonderful and it was true. So now you are actively engaged in self deception. That's right. It's hard work. <laughs> it's really hard work. Well, really. <laughs> so I'll tell you this. I've not really. I didn't put this in the book, and I haven't really told that many people because I'd kind of forgotten about it until recently. But. Not long after I converted to the cause, and I really fell hard, because mm. it was truly an avalanche of the Holy Spirit. I was so wrong. Um, and I went to the March for Women's Lives. I can't remember what year that was, but it was early on in, in my conversion. And the March for Women's Lives, and I was really frustrated that this group of women and, and women like them had deceived me with this big lie. I'm not saying they didn't believe it, but yet I accepted this lie that they were promoting so I made this big sign, almost as tall as I was, I'm pretty short, and it said, Equal Rights for Unborn Women. And I walked in that march opposite the, the, the march. They were marching one way, and I was marching the rest because I was one little person in this march marching the opposite way. And I got all these nasty comments, and I ran into a woman that had been very pro-life at Duke who never gave up on me. Um, who was actually marching in the opposite direction. She had changed her mind. It oh, almost wow. never happens that way. And she said, well, I'm surprised to see you here with that sign. And I said, I'm surprised to see you here with that sign. And honestly, we just kept marching. You know, none of us wanted to go any further, but I've thought about her for, uh, for mm. years and years and thought about what God did to really set me free and what, 
mercy he has on her, but what ha- and wonder what what happened to put the lid on her happiness and probably some terrible tragedy. And I think it doesn't happen that way usually, that reverse right. conversion, but usually is connected to some terrible tragedy. Yeah. And it's easy to see how people feel like they cannot climb out of a box, but if they don't and they have the abortion, many of many of the mo- many moments of the rest of their lives are spent trying to convince themselves that it was okay until somebody helps them. Mm. So <laughs> the hope for an abortionist, or the hope for one who has actually given up their child to abortion, mm-hmm. is still there. And it's not just conversion to being pro-life, it's conversion yeah. to Christ. Because Amen. the That's opposite right. is pro-antichrist, and that mm-hmm. is damnation. We'll be right back after this, friends. Stay tuned. This is beautiful. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org that's saveus.org also on chuck's website listen to chuck's viewpoint broadcast listen to the archives maybe you missed a program check it out at saveus.org also there are some great resources hospitality information also information about marriage divorce and remarriage newsletters articles prophecy Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Always a delight to come before you here today on Viewpoint to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. You see, God says, I change not. The same God who gave us life gave us liberty. But without the life, there is no liberty. And therefore, the very foundation of our country, liberty and justice for all, is completely destroyed by abortion. There is no liberty, and there's no justice. And, as so often quoted within the African-American community, no justice, no peace. Therefore, if you're taking the life of your child, your unborn child, not only Are you destroying justice, but you are also destroying your own peace? I want you to think about that. You may not have heard it that way, but that's exactly the way it is. And help me to understand, Marjorie, how somewhere around 16 million black mothers and fathers have aborted their children, 16 million, 16 million. Isn't that about half of the, maybe the total population of the black community in America? I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a devastating number and wildly disproportionate when compared to the abortions in in any other race. Well, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand why 
the screaming and hollering about one person losing their life when caught in a crime and then losing their life by a police officer when the same people that are screaming and hollering about no justice, no peace, are purposely exterminating their own young. I don't get it. I really think, I love what you said before about killing your own peace. When you kill the child with it, whether you know it or don't know it, you do destroy your own peace. And Susan B. Anthony said um, uh, her inmost soul revolts from the dreadful deed. And it'll, it'll burden her conscience in life. It'll burden her soul in the grave. But thrice guilty is the one who drove her to the dreadful deed. And wow. I think that last piece, Thrice guilty is the one who drove her to the dreadful deed, is the deceiver. So it is the deceiver who's the author of lies, but it's also the deceiver who uh, mans the Planned Parenthood booth that is a useful idiot for, <laughs> for, the, for him, for who has also been deceived, who also thinks he or she is actually doing something good for somebody else. I mean, they genuinely believe that. They truly don't know. I, I can say that having held that position, I had no idea how much in the darkness that I was until the light was turned on. Well, isn't it believe- that way? I think about this. Uh, mm-hmm. We we recently uh, have gone through a kitchen refurbishing. They they redid our cabinets, and in so doing, uh, just dust was everywhere. I mean, everywhere. It was <laughs> like it was completely impossible to eradicate it. And and as a woman. Uh, you would notice that more so than men probably would. <laughs> I was just going to be empathized with your, with your wife. Those yeah, are the words yeah. I was going to yeah. And And it's not until the light, the bright light shines in. For instance, sunlight coming in a window, and all of a sudden you see your mm. windows are dirty. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. That's and so, right. That's you, right. you know, you got to clean those. you got to clean them. Well, before yeah. that, you didn't realize the window was <laughs> you didn't dirty. even know it was there. Yeah. You, oh, so, amen. That's a beautiful isn't analogy. This, isn't yeah. this the same situation? Uh, people are involved. They've mm-hmm. rationalized and reasoned that somehow the abortion is a good thing. But the light of day, the light of God's truth, the light of reality has not been allowed to shine in. And oh, when very, it does, very true. When it does, oh, my goodness, the conviction that comes upon mm-hmm. the spirit and the heart. It's really a revolution, and that did happen to me. And that, so, of course, I didn't just change my pro-life, my position on abortion. And that's why, because the light, when the light starts to flood in, who knows where it's going to go? Mm-hmm. Who knows what else it's going to light up? Right. And you have to wrestle over and go through and think about. Of course, we wrestle our whole lives, but especially, you know, if you've, you know, had a lot of bad positions like I did. But there's another there's another metaphor to just extend yours in the in the kitchen. Go right ahead. I think ahead. part of it, and I think the part of it is that we we when you're refurbishing, you know, in general, and when that light shines, the first thing that happens if it shines everywhere, you are basically gutting a lot of yourself, a lot of your heart and your soul, mm-hmm. and so, and then sometimes your body too. And so there's only one way for a real total conversion. We, I know we do it every day, but it, it certainly originally is that you gut that whole thing out and then you rebuild it the way that mm. um, you've been taught in a way that has symmetry and beauty and brings pleasure to him. 
And even and, as a professing uh, Christian, yeah. uh, right. many professing Christians have uh, aborted their children. In fact, uh, the statistics that I have seen are that the divorce rate, not the divorce rate, but that would be true as well, uh, but the mm -hmm. abortion rate among evangelical Christians has been almost the same as that of yeah. the secular culture. So I'm sure many people listening have had an abortion or have have a very close friend or wife that has or girlfriend that has or and daughter. there's where or daughter the invitation in is is open-handed and real and full of mercy and forgiveness and I I think that's another reason that life is winning that there is a there is a shedding of a finger pointing Mm -hmm. uh, in the pro-life movement that I believe used to be there that really isn't. It's just been too damaging, too gutting to hold things over people, and it's the wrong way. Yeah, okay. The right so way. That, that means that even though we're being very explicit, no holds barred, shining the light of truth on this issue, it's not for the purpose of condemning people. It's right. not for the purpose of condemning. But you have to get absolutely clear about what something is shine the light as brightly as possible so that people can see things for what they really are and that is what will bring revival isn't it amen truth is that sets you free even the hardest truths in the darkest corners of your heart and it's amazing how freeing it is to take that out put it in the light of day feel that forgiveness and wonder why did I let that weigh me down for so many years when there was such mm. freedom around the corner, but you just don't know until you've done it. Absolutely. So usually it's the first step. It's and today is step. the first day of the rest of your life, my friend out there. If, you've, right. if you have uh, either had an abortion yourself or maybe helped someone have an abortion, facilitated it or encouraged or drove them to it, mm. either physically or emotionally, you're complicit. On the other hand, there's mercy with God. You know why we need mercy? Because we're guilty. And that's the reason nobody wants to talk about mercy anymore. We want to talk about grace. Grace is not God's willingness to overlook our sin. No, it is his unmerited favor to enable and equip us to be obedient to his will. Mercy is what we need when we're guilty. And that's why we don't like to use the word mercy anymore, because we don't want to admit we're guilty. But until we admit we're guilty of sin, we have no hope for redemption or forgiveness. That's our problem. We're hiding. We're hiding from God and playing pretend. And it's time to pull the blanket of pretense away and see things for what they really are. And it appears that Donald J. Trump, amid all of his own moral failings, turned out to be the most pro-life president in American history. What an amazing phenomenon <laughs> that was. What do you think? <laughs> About that. Go figure. I mean, I, I go figure. I, he was my last. He was last on my list until he was the first. And we opposed him. We're, we're, you know, we have a political mission, and it is to bring that truth into the political world and to pass laws that save lives. We thought he would be the very last person that would do that. Absolutely. And I have never been, never have been so happy to be 100% wrong. 
because it ended up, of course, that he is the only president of any pro-life president that has ever been that has put us in a situation where we could end abortion and not that far, not not that far away because of what he did in making commitments. He, he literally wrote a letter to me with five commitments of what he would do when he would become the president. Um, just like a deal that he would have done anywhere else. Mm. And comparing that to Hillary Clinton and what she committed, it was very clear, okay, he's now first on the list. And what did he do? He followed through on more, on every commitment. In fact, he, it's funny, in the last, you know, several weeks of the, of his administration, which were pretty, pretty awful in some ways, um, we laughed over the fact that he always would say, you know, Marjorie, I, I think I've fulfilled more commitments than I even made to you. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and Vice President Pence loves to say, you know, Mr. President, that's mathematically impossible, right? It's like, no, no, no. I think, I think figuratively you're right. He did go beyond. Mm. He, his, as you know, his administration was thoroughgoing in a pro-life fashion, and so much was done. Now we have a contract, and, and actually now we have a new bar. We know from here on out, we will settle for nothing less yeah. than what was achieved policy-wise, uh, in terms and in moving the ball forward in the in, in future administrations well, and to, in governorships. Yeah, just to remind uh, our listeners of what he actually said in his State of the Union address on February fifth, two thousand nineteen, just before Nancy Pelosi tore up his entire speech. You remember that, friends? Right in front <laughs> of the nation on television, she tore it up. Here's what he said. There could be no greater contrast to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight when the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments before her birth. He said, let us work together to build a culture that cherishes innocent life and let us reaffirm a fundamental truth. All children born and unborn, are made in the holy image of God. Wow. We'll be right back, friends, after this. Life is winning. It may not look like it at the moment, but Marjorie Dannenfelser says it absolutely is. Get a copy of her book, $28 hardbound book, yours for $17 on our website, saveus.org. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. President of the Susan B. Anthony List. Her name is Marjorie Dannenfelser, joining us live here on Viewpoint today. 
The foreword to her book by Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who it appears is getting ready to run for the governorship down there in Georgia. She has an introduction by Vice President Mike Pence. It's hard to get more support than that in Kay Coles, James, and so on. Life is Winning is her book inside the fight for unborn children and their mommies, their un- their mothers. She says <laughs> the end of abortion is within reach. Why do you say that, Marjorie? Well, it's because of the dramatic um, moves forward that were made in the last four years uh, because of a pro-life Senate that we worked so hard to achieve, a pro-life presidency that we also worked so hard to achieve, and then the confirmation of several Supreme Court justices that we all worked on that. And then also, a little bit less seen by most, is a revolution in the federal court system mm-hmm. um, where where Trump uh, named more than any other president in history. So that even now today, Chuck, we actually just got incredible news that uh, that a a ban on abortions of children with Down syndrome was upheld um, uh, was upheld in Ohio in that circuit, and that means that now there is a circuit split on that very issue between other states and mm-hmm. Ohio, mm-hmm. which means that it is a it is a, uh, uh, a question that the Supreme Court will be asked to determine. And in that decision today, and I know you're a lawyer, so you're going to love reading this, it's, um, it, it questions the viability standard and how it has been used and the undue burden standard and how it has been used. This is a Reagan appointee, Alice Batchelder, who wrote this opinion. This is a sign of where we're headed. Mm. And it is because of the court system. It's also because life is winning among the people that we've elected, because it wouldn't have happened without that, but also governors around the country. Uh-huh. Far more pro-life than what we're seeing every day on the federal level. We've already already seen over 400 pieces of, of pro-life legislation introduced around the country. And I'm traveling all over the place doing bill signings with governors on the pieces of legislation most of which we believe really go to the heart of testing Roe versus Wade. Now, wait a minute. That's you said you're co-signing these bills with the governor? Did I say co-signing? I didn't mean that. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. No, I'm just being I facetious here. I did not say that. <laughs> I hope I didn't say that. I probably did say, but I didn't. No, you didn't maybe say I'm that. More, maybe I'm more I was going to say the Bible prohibits co-signing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll never do that. No, okay. I'm going to, you know, we're, we're really trying to... Um, uh, we're, we're focusing on gubernatorial races, and then, well, you know, governors like Greg Gianforte in Montana, mm-hmm. they he will sign very soon five new pro-life laws in the state of Montana. Just a few short years ago, Montana was terrible; had an awful pro-abortion governor and and two pro uh, pro-abortion senators. There is a sea change um, that isn't always visible, but it is definitely happening. The facts are there on the ground, and it is within reach that right, over, that Roe could be overturned. Let's put that in contrast, then, to this other statement that you have made in your chapter, Fighting to Win. Democrats mm-hmm. running for president in 2020 fell in line, asked at a town hall in January 2020 whether there is room for pro-lifers in the Democratic Party. Former South, Mayor, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg could not identify a single circumstance in which he would limit abortion or even hear debate on the issue within his party. Then he was joined shortly by Bernie Sanders, who declared support for abortion, quote, an absolutely essential part of being a Democrat, unquote. 
that really has become a truth, hasn't it? It has. And, and Obama, with Obama, came to complete polarization of that issue. There's no room for, for disagreement on the Democratic side. Before that, there were, there were really fantastic pro-life Democrat members of Congress, mm-hmm. a fantastic pro-life Democrat, um, Governor Casey of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. There was a beautiful tradition behind being a Democrat and being pro-life. Now, there still is the tr- tradition of it. There is just no high-level public office holders um, ex- um, extolling those values anymore. But what is, what is jaw-dropping is that their position is so extreme. It is abortion up until birth and even after birth. Well, you yeah, just in, given given uh, Governor Northam in Virginia, yeah. you are in northern Virginia, I'm in central Virginia, the capital, uh, where he made that nefarious statement, uh, yeah. you know, offer up a child for abortion, uh, yeah. actually infanticide after the child yeah. is born and escapes the abortion. Yeah, just keep it comfortable and we'll decide what fate that child will have. And that's coming that, from that, the mouth of a so-called pediatrician that is sworn under the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. I mean, he really can't make it up. It is so extreme and so unpalatable to mo- to all, all but a handful uh, when you look at the percentages. And what most, I mean, all the pro-life people that I know that are elected to public office and that we have helped are against abortion across the board. But what they are, what what they're fighting for, are abortions that will test Roe that are basically middle, that most Americans support mm-hmm. uh, to uh, like a ban against abortions after five months when the mm-hmm. baby can feel pain, abortions for discriminatory reasons. In like other words, gender. incrementalism to to eat away at Roe versus Wade. That's right. And then there are a lot that are passing laws that that ban all abortions. So the Supreme Court is hearing all of this. They're hearing the, the incredible clanging of pots and pans and mm-hmm. laws, and there is a clamoring for some justice out, out here, and they're, they're seeing it coming. So I would say it is within reach. Pro-life is within reach, overturning Roe and restoring the ability of states and the federal government to pass laws that stay, save lives is within reach. But I'm telling you, it's not going to happen without prayer. We didn't even get where we are. I know without prayer and a lot of converted hearts. So um, if there's one request that I have, and that is for everyone listening to pray for the court, to listen to a decision and chip away overturn row so that we can start saving lives right away. And also uh, speaking to the minds and hearts of uh, uh, both pastor and politician alike and uh, priests Mm -hmm. and so on, to grip their minds and hearts with conviction, because this isn't just a political thing. In fact, no. more fundamentally, it's a spiritual thing. Oh, yeah. This oh, without question, it's root. all about souls. Yeah, it's, this is at the very foundation of the demise of America. Mm-hmm. We will either, There's we're no at question. the fulcrum moment. I, I agree with Vice President Pence uh, former Vice President Pence, when he was speaking at your uh, Susan B. Anthony uh, Gala in 2017, he said, I truly believe we've come to a pivotal moment in the life of this movement, in the life of our nation. He's absolutely right. If you can't get this right, you can't get any right right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so more... Tell us then, yeah. how is it that Margaret Sanger, back there in the early 20s, 1920s, could have carried on such a nefarious agenda 
with a specific declared purpose of destroying, in a, uh, for eugenics, destroying blacks and uh, children, anybody yeah. mm-hmm. who was deemed to be less immigrants. than perfect, immigrants. She was mm-hmm. intent on doing exactly what Hitler was trying to do in Germany. How is it that we have bought into such a deception? I think we look back on all sorts of human rights abuses through our, our history and through our history of the world and say, how in the world could sin have engulfed our hearts as a people so thoroughly that we would buy this lie? And we see it now for what it is as a whole. What happened during the time is, is, the, is the death inch by inch, the, the darkness just slowly coming into a full black night. And I believe that's what Margaret Sanger of that time, somehow eugenics uh, with her leadership and, and, of course, the Nazis' leadership, really started to captivate the minds of people that if we just, like, only allow certain people to populate the, the world then the world will be a much happier, healthier, safer place to live in. Well, that's exactly the spirit of the New World Order, the New Global Order. And they're going to eradicate Christians, they're going to eradicate Orthodox Jews, Mm -hmm. because they're not going Mm -hmm. to join with the uh, utopian thinkers of the day who are going to embrace all of this death culture in the name of peace. So it requires that you, the... Whoever gets voted the chief eugenicist is God, because he or she gets to design what the human race, what, what which members of the human race arrive, mm. and what how we learn from mistakes should be minimized from my own godlike perspective, and uh, and the world will be you know there'll be a lot more room for us, there'll be more trees, there'll be more uh, more, more food for everyone, there'll be no mm. suffering. Of course, the it is so like the author of lies to think to allow that lie to really enter people's hearts because, of course, the opposite is true. When we have outer control, we we become miserable mm-hmm. <laughs> and we lose control, and then we don't know what to do with it. And I think that that you know um, that the remnant of you of you, of Margaret Sanger, of course, is still here. There is still deep down in our hearts, in some. The idea that there are human weeds, as she called them, people who just honestly, it would just be so much easier and so much more merciful on them on them and others if they just didn't live. Yet she um, used black pastors. She purposed yeah. to use black pastors <laughs> to be the engine of her uh, device to do exactly that and destroy their own people. I don't, I don't yeah. get it. I, I just don't understand why. There is such blindness within the African-American community that they cannot see, will not see, that the very thing that they keep yelling and screaming about, they're, they're wanting to go back to slavery. And Jim Crow, mm-hmm. well, how about going back to Margaret Sanger and using the pastor who is everything in the black community to carry on the nefarious, devilish, anti-Christ agenda of abortion. It is unbelievable. It is. And the key is that you all you can you you must be in that worldview. You must be one of the lucky ones. You must be one of the the perfect ones, the ones one of the ones who uh who is ordained to live. <laughs> you you know, it, it is only those 
that uh, that are the are, that are the trouble. Those are the ones that are bringing us down. That are bring, keeping us in poverty. But there's also just a uh, there there is a, a they, they called it in the in in the time of Susan B. Anthony. There's an immiseration that was the word back then of women. There was a and and people in general that the that the cycle of poverty and and the um, and the destruction of the family from the center and the destruction of values just they're made what we see is very clear, very murky, and there's just such a desperation to do now just to get out of this moment, just to get out of this moment, do this thing, and everything will be fine after that. Well, the interestingly, the the driving forces uh, for abortion are yes political. But behind that, there are two primary driving forces. One is disobedience to God's word, bringing about sexual promiscuity. Mm -hmm. And the other is not trusting God and playing God because you just don't trust him to deal with your situation. Yeah, I really think um, that very often about, you've said several times on the show today about the number of abortions over time, mm-hmm. and I think about the number per day. It's about two, little over two thousand children every day. Mm-hmm. And then if you break it down to a community or a neighborhood, it's several children, a lot of children each day in every community. And where's and the think, uprising? Where is the uprising yeah, against this? That's right. And what was the plan for them? There was a plan for them. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to do something only they could do. Even the kids with their with special needs. I mean, especially the kids with special needs, yeah. in fact. But what were they supposed to do? And because they aren't there and they never arrive, there is a dysfunction, a fundamental dysfunction, and it only gets worse. That's where there's lack of clarity. Well, bless because, you, Marjorie. Yeah. You're like William Wilberforce. They're fighting against <laughs> slavery in the U.K. Oh, no. Marjorie Dannens-Felser with her book, Life is Winning. Remember, Jesus said, I came, not, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But if we take that life away, there's no hope for abundant life for that child. Think about it. Get a copy of this wonderful book, hardbound book, $28 is the book. It's $17 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And pray. For this Susan B. Anthony list. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.